He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dan Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. Shall we share a word of prayer? Father, we hallow and dedicate this time that we have to be in your presence. We pray that the Holy Spirit will have the preeminence in our bliss this morning. We subject ourselves, O oh God, to your will. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. I pray that the seed of your word will fall on good soil and yield much fruit for your name's sake. Holy Spirit, I subject myself to you. Use these lips of clay. Anoint them and use me for your purpose this morning. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you, my helper, my comforter, my guide, and my teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Please sit down. Well, I'm very surprised that... Um, the welcome song, because one of my favorite songs. And um, our women's meeting this year opened with this song. And then when I was speaking in our church in America, it was compulsory for them to learn the song. And then I come this morning, and before I speak, I know who I am. Amen. Because many women don't know who they are. They define themselves by the type of weave on they wear, whether it's human hair, synthetic, Peruvian, Brazilian, or what have you. Or they define themselves by how their husbands see them. Or they define themselves by how their boss sees them, or what they were told when they were growing up. But the Bible says in the book of James that we should look into the perfect law of liberty, and that the Word of God is a mirror. And when we look in it, we will see our reflection I am so blessed, I am beautiful in Christ. Amen. So that's the reason why it's my favorite song. Well, I thank God and I thank Reverend Steve Mensah and Lady Reverend Abba Mensah. You call her Mama Jane, I believe, for the honor and in inviting me to be here this morning. It is always a privilege to preach the Word of God. Um, I have done some speaking in my life, like maybe speaking in court or bringing a submission, but there's nothing like speaking the infallible Word of God, and I count myself privileged. Thank you so much for honoring me this morning, and it's an honor to be in Sem, our sister church. Amen. And uh, your pastor and his wife, Jesus. 
he sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Our family, and we thank God for their lives. Amen. We thank God also that we can have a place on the calendar for our women's meeting. So we thank the head pastor for graciously giving us a time on his slot. Because the Bible says, I didn't say it, that the older women should teach the younger women. But it doesn't say just any older woman. It says that they should be older women who are not slanderous. Who are not given to wine. And who are not false accusers. They should be the ones to teach the younger women. And that they should teach them good things. Because sometimes somebody can teach you even in the church. But bad things come. Like my husband says, you can have a father, but he may be a godfather of sin. So, it is in keeping with scripture that we have women's meetings. And I pray that as women, you know, the last year I was here, I spoke about woman to woman and how we can sabotage each other. And that, thank God, Mary and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, didn't do that. That is why we are here today. So I pray that we too will encourage each other. I think that one of the greatest things about Esther was that she had seven maidens with her in the palace. And they were not there to compete with her for the queenship, but they were there to support her. So when Mordecai came and said, you need to go to the king, all that, she said, go and fast and pray for me for three days. And then my maidens and I will also fast and pray. So thank God that she had maidens who stood with her and strengthened her and covered her spiritually so that she could fulfill God's purpose for her life. And this morning, I have some maidens with me. They are called the gracious women. And they are gracious because the Bible says the people wondered at the gracious words that came out of the mouth of Jesus. So that's why they are gracious women. And... Because the church is so diverse, so wide, I cannot be at every women's meeting. So I have these gracious women all over the continent, and they go out and preach the gospel at women's meetings. Amen. By the grace of God, you know, uh, the Bible said Moses should put his spirit on Joshua. And I think that Jesus chose people who had been with him, and then he sent them. And these ladies have been with me, and they know what the mandate and the purpose of God is. So I'm able to send some to the Caribbean. I'm able to send some to Europe. 
and I'm able to send some to Bremani Sikuma, and they go and hold women's meetings. So please stand up and let us appreciate you, the gracious women. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for believing in me and holding my hands. Amen. I'm told that your theme for this morning is God's purpose for the woman. Amen. And having looked through scripture and sought God's face, I realized that we really have one purpose, one as in singular one. And that purpose can translate into so many things. Let's look at the book of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. Even if you don't know it's the first, the English language, when you say the Genesis of something, it means the beginning, okay? So it's the first book. We know how to get the best seamstress, the best hairdresser, but we don't know where to find the Word of God. When things come knocking on our door, it's not how quality your weave on is, but it's whether you know the Word of God, because that is the sword of the Spirit. Amen. Verse 15, And I will put enmity, between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Amen. So for me, the cardinal purpose of the woman is to bring forth the seed that God has given her. And when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, and God came to mete out judgment, he said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So whether we like it or not, just by being female, you are Satan's major target. You don't have to do anything, just your gender alone makes it enough, because God was punishing the serpent. This is not Eve's punishment. He was punishing the serpent, and he said, I, God, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Because the woman had now become too chummy, chummy with the devil. And that is what led to her eating the fruit and giving Adam and all the problems we have now. Divorce, incurable diseases, cancer, war, betrayal, offense. It all came from eating that fruit. Amen? So when God was punishing Satan, not the woman... He said, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman. And between your seed and her seed. And the woman's seed will bruise the head of the serpent. And the serpent will bruise the heel of the woman's seed. That is why sometimes as women, when you walk small, you walk with God small, something bruises your heel. And then you keep on, you know. But Jesus Christ was brought unto the scene also in fulfillment of the scripture. And all that Mary had to do was to bring forth the seed. But because Satan knows that this is his punishment, he has not taken it lying down. Now when I was thinking about it, I said, Lord, so what is the seed? This one sometimes is biological. That's why in the Bible, you see that somebody like Sarah, just because of the type of seed she was bearing, Satan will hit her with barrenness, infertility, problems with so many things, a king wanting to rape her, 
What if the rape had come to become pregnancy? Her husband betraying her at the last minute and saying, please say you are my sister and just go into the king's chamber. And now it's between you and your God. But God intervened and spoke to the king. So ladies, sometimes even when your husband doesn't stand up to do what he should do, God will intervene and God will stand on your behalf. Amen. And it goes on with Rebecca. The Bible says when she was leaving home, the people blessed her. They said that, let your seed be 100 million and let them possess the gates of their enemies. So when they were blessing her, they blessed her seed because they knew that her seed will be under attack. So when I was asking God that, what is this seed? I realized in the Old Testament, it was to bring forth people that would have a purpose in the bigger plan of God, like Moses' mother. When Moses was born, and then if you read Acts 7, it says when the time of the prophets drew near, then the king, everybody became agitated, and they said no more male children. Everybody should be killed, including Moses. But Moses' mother made a wicker box and saved his life. The same with Mary, the mother of Jesus. As soon as the wise men went through Herod's palace to give birth for Mary's seed to be noticed, Herod said, oh, another king has come to challenge me. When you go, bring me word that I'll go and worship him. But his main intention was to destroy the seed of the woman. And when that happened, God sent a dream, don't go that way. And Herod killed all the baby boys, two years and under, because he was looking for the seed of the woman. So I want to tell us this morning that our purpose is to birth God's seed that he has given us. The seed can be a ministry. The seed can be your calling. The seed can be something God calls you to do, especially in his service, in his kingdom, in the, in the local church. Your seed can be somebody you are supposed to bring to Christ. Your seed can be a future that you will affect forever. You know somebody like Dr. Yonggi Cho, the man with the biggest church in the world. He says that he was witnessed to by a little girl, you see, but that little girl didn't know that her seed was a very big seed that would give birth to 700,000 people sitting in one service. She never knew. But I believe that her reward in heaven will not be in vain. Amen. So as I was asking God, so in the modern day, what is our seed? He gave me Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Luke 8, verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Amen. So, Lady Reverend, what is it that is our purpose? Our purpose is to bring forth whatever word God has given you. God's word comes first and foremost in his written word, but it also comes in the spoken word, where it says, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah, and the word of God came to Isaiah, and the word of God came to, it, it wasn't written, but it was God's word coming to us. And when God's word comes to us as women, it may say, do this, do that, rise up and fulfill this purpose. And we must, but we must be conscious of the fact that there's an enemy out there who doesn't want us to be fruitful. Amen. Now, 
People say, oh, but can women be really used by God? Are women really called, you know? Sometimes people are not sure about the theology there. But the Lord said to me that in Genesis, the Bible says, and the Lord God blessed them, not him, them. And the Lord God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. So without the woman fulfilling her purpose, even God's creation will not come about. You know, so he blessed them. He gave them the necessary grace. He didn't choose one person and leave the other. So women, we have a vital role to play. He blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Amen. And when you come to the Old Testament, when Jesus, New Testament, when Jesus was going up, he said, don't go anywhere. Go and wait for the promise of the Father. And after that, you'll be my witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, what that showed us was that there were 120 in that room, including women. So we are also called to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria. The Holy Spirit was given to them in the upper room. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And when the tongues of fire fell, there was no gender discrimination. It fell on everybody. And I was saying, well, Lord, you know, in the book of Acts, we hear about Peter, Paul, James. We don't hear much about the women you said you poured the Holy Spirit on among the 120. And he said, did you ever hear about Bartholomew? Did you hear about Thaddeus? Did you hear about some of the disciples who are among the 12? But I know what I use them for. And that is why in the book of Revelations, there are 12 gates in the New Jerusalem. And each one is named after an apostle. So Bartholomew may not have written a book in the Bible. I may not know what Bartholomew did, but his name is written on the gates of heaven because God knows why. So the fact that a name is not written doesn't mean a woman is not part of God's purpose. It is God who chose, and it's God who decided. Amen. Now, people say, oh, yes, but women brought all the troubles in the world. If Eve had not eaten the fruit, we would not be where we are. Granted, but a woman also brought Jesus the Savior and salvation to the world. Amen, ladies. Amen. So, Lady Reverend, what are some, but before you birth your seed, there are many problems that come our way to frustrate our call, to frustrate our moving forward to birth the seed that God gives us. Examples are Sarah. You see all the problems she went into. Then now she was tempted, she went to bring Hagar, and the problems compounded. You see, Rebecca, when she went to inquire, they said that two nations are in your womb. She, she thought she was just giving birth. But she actually had two nations in her womb. So your seed is greater than you know. And Satan attacks us with marital problems so that we cannot birth our dreams. Amen. Some of us are so engulfed in our marital problems that our whole prayer topic is about that man. Lord, change crazy. Monday, Tuesday. Lord, 
turn him into green. Wednesday, Lord, turn him into blue. You know, it is true that we may have challenges, but the key is not to build a monument around your challenge. The key is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you will be surprised that everything else will be added unto you. Amen. So marital problems lead us and deter us from serving God or birthing the seed that God has given us. These are all obstacles Satan throws our way. Sometimes our problems are gynecological. Maybe we are believing God for a child. We can't have a child. And sometimes even my husband tells me that medically, it's 40% the fault of a woman, 40% the fault of a man, and 20% the fault of both. Not fault as in, but like it comes from. But often, as soon as people marry and there's no child, they say, it's the woman. What type of woman has he gone to marry? So then our whole lives crumble and it becomes um, isolated to just that one thing that we don't have. Of course, it's a joy to have children, but our purpose is not just to marry. marry. Marriage is something that God will establish his purpose through. The seed is something God will establish his purpose through. But beyond all the normal things we do in life, there's a higher calling. Amen. And when we get so consumed with our, our, our problem, you know, the Bible says, being changed from glory to glory as we behold his face. So whatever you behold, you become. So when you behold your problems more, you look more like your problem. When you behold your lack more, you look more than your lack. But when you behold God more, you look more like God. Amen, somebody. And so all these obstacles stop us from being the people that God says we can be. Look at Samson's mother. She had a lot of problems giving birth. Rachel, she had a lot of problems because she was going to give birth to a Joseph who will preserve posterity. But she couldn't even have a child. And by the time she was birthing Joseph, she said, I will name him son of my sorrows. And her husband said, no, he shall be named son of my strength or son of my right hand. And when she was doing that, she said, well, let me just die. And she died. So she birthed her purpose all right, but she died because Satan attacks us through so many things. Now, Lady Reverend, what are you trying to say? When you look at John the Baptist, he didn't come until uh, his mother was old and stricken in years because of the type of purpose that Elizabeth had. And Jesus, I've said earlier, was also pursued. So now, let's look at Revelations 12 because that's where my topic is going to, my passage is going to come from. Revelations chapter 12. Are we there? Verse 1 the purpose of the woman, and I would say the seed of the woman. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, for child we can substitute seed, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, 
and seven crowns on his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her seed as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore years, days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Amen. And then verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child or the seed. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this is a very vivid description of what happens in heaven and what happens to a woman who carries a seed, a seed of God's call, a seed of ministry, a seed of obedience to God, a seed of a convert, a seed of prayer, a seed of bringing something to pass in the kingdom of God. And the Bible says there appeared a great wonder in heaven. I didn't say it. Women are, even in heaven, cry, we are a wonder. That is why even in life, when a man is driving and he sees a beautiful woman, he forgets about traffic and whatever, because even in heaven, we are a wonder. How much more on earth? Amen, ladies. There appeared a great wonder in heaven. So women, we may, we may not feel so wonderful, but we are a great wonder in the realm of the spirit. And the woman was clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. Do you remember the dream of Joseph? The Bible says the sun and the moon bowed down to him. And everything that is at your feet is something that God has purposed for you. So from heaven, the sun and the moon are bowing down before us. So we should not take our calling and our giftings for granted. You see, because we make stew, we make tilapia, we make banku, we may not sometimes look anointed. But heaven has a different view. Amen. 
You see, my children, when they see me, I'm cooking, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then later, when I go into the convention to preach, they'll say, hey, mommy, was that you? It was me. But because I give them food, and I blast them, and I correct them, and it looks like, oh, it's, it looks too mundane and too ordinary. But you are a wonder in heaven. And the sun and the moon are under your feet. Amen, ladies. It doesn't even matter what people say. What God says is what is important. And upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. You remember the 12 tribes of Israel? You see, God wants to encourage you. Because Satan's way is to tread you down that, no, you are not anything. I was on the board of domestic violence. And the things that people do to women is not easy. So when they were showing us the first day to acclimatize us, I was watching. And I said, oh, women suffer so much. And they said, we have not finished. Wait till we show you the second part. Hey, women pouring pepper into men's eyes. Spray mosquito spray, beating them. So I saw that the thing, you know, there's a gender balance there. <laughs> Amen. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. Before you give birth to anything, you will go through pain. This woman is a wonder. She's made in heaven. The moon and the stars are under her feet. She has 12 stars on her head, but when it was time for her to give birth, to travail, she was in pain to be delivered. Amen. Part of the pain is part of the birthing process. When Eve fell, God said, in sorrow thou shalt conceive. So nothing is birthed without pain, including God's calling on your life including whatever ministry God has given you, it is not without pain. Amen. It is not easy for me, even as a woman, to obey God. And there are times when I wonder, I say, you know, let me just relax and not do certain aspects of ministry. Because there's so much pain that when you look at the pain, you can have a miscarriage in the realm of the spirit. And you may not give birth to what you have to give birth with. For instance, if you are in a church setting, church members can hurt you big time. If you are looking for a place to be offended, come into the ministry. Amen? And also people have this knack of, you know, church members love their pastors, and that's very good. But the pastor's wife is like a flower pot when she's standing by him. You don't see you don't see the pastor's wife. And sometimes as women, we feel that, I mean, if the pastor had met me earlier, he would have preferred me. Me, I can see. Me, I can see and I can testify. And sometimes and often, all that a pastor's wife does is behind the scenes. You won't see. So even in my church, you see, I preach once a year at a women's convention. It used to be twice because then Mother's Day, but now I've shifted our convention date to Mother's Day, so that weekend. So that's when I preach in public. So the most people feel this lady, she just smiles and she sits in front. That's all she does. So one day, one of our pastors who has now become a bishop, Bishop Ogo, 
His wife came to work with me in my office and still works with me. Then he saw that, hey, he's calling his wife. She's doing this. She's going here. She's, he said, hey. So he came to my office and said, Sister Mami, I think that we should make a, a signboard and write all the things you do because I don't think what you do is seen or appreciated much. And I said, oh, why? He said, in fact, before my wife came to work in your office, I thought that it was some cool place. Hey! Sana, it's not easy. A lot of things. And I said, oh, that's why we have the verse that your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. So I believe personally that there are a lot of awards in heaven for pastor's wives in particular. Because people look and say, oh, it's a special seat. You sit in front, you look nice, and you smile. Easy calling. Easy calling. But when this woman had to give birth to something, she was in pain to be delivered. Unless you die as a seed, you remain alone. Amen? In John 12, Jesus said, unless a grain of seed fall into the soil and die, it abideth alone. Otherwise, you'll be alone. You cannot flourish. But to give birth to that seed, you have to force. Amen? One day, somebody I had brought up in ministry betrayed me so much, I couldn't believe it. Somebody working in the school, some issues. She was vomiting blood then. And I'd, she couldn't have a baby. And every time I, I would fast with her during the week. And we will proclaim that she will have a baby. After some time, she had a baby. And even I named the baby my own name, Miracle Baby. And then helped her get all the baby things. And then I said, but you don't work. You were, you were teaching before, so come back to work so that you can support because your husband needs help. So then I found the job for her. And then when she came, started vomiting and all that. And I went to the board and said, look, she's vomiting, whatever. So let her go and go and do thorough tests because children, you don't know what can be transmitted. So I said to her, you go, no matter how long it takes. You don't look so strong and all that. Three months, they'll pay you. So when I went to say it to the board, they said, you are biased. It's because this woman is in your ministry and you have nurtured her and you are saying, but I pushed and then the board gave in. After that, she still wasn't really well. So I said, no, we'll pay you for another three months, but we cannot employ you again. That was the beginning of my wahala. Letters, this, that. So she wrote a letter to me. And when I read the letter, it was an Easter convention. When I read the letter, I said, this English is not from this woman. I didn't do law for nothing. The diction of the letter is not this woman. So I said to her, who typed this letter for you? Then she told me, one of the people I, I raised from, she came at the, even I did her marriage counsel, and she's very close to me, even up to today. And um, so I said, wow. So then we sat down, not knowing she has given all the board members copies of the letters. Remember, these are the board members who said, I am biased against her. So then they said, oh, what have you read? She said, your penumbra shadows shall chase you. When I look at a penumbra, she doesn't know it anyway. <laughs> so then we finished settling the matter. My husband was in the meeting. You know, pastors always want to shield their sheep. So he said, 
oh, okay, it's unfortunate. You shouldn't have written this letter, blah, blah, blah. It's not right, whatever. And then, okay, so everything's settled. So as for the wife's pain, you carry it on your own. Anyway. So after the meeting, they were getting, I said, oh, don't get up. I want to ask one question. Then I asked the woman, who typed this letter for you? My husband said, oh, the meeting is over. What's all this extraneous? I said, it's not extraneous. I want to know, who typed this letter for you? Then she mentioned this lady pastor's name. Ah, we almost collapsed. So later, I, it was too much for me. So I spoke to Bishop Saki, and then he called the lady. The lady just fell down. I said, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. I don't know. And then she came to me. So I'm so sorry. I said, so why did you do that? She said, even this, I took some out too. The insults were more than that. It really hurt me. And I said, God, give me grace to forgive. Because, you know, sometimes you can't do something easily. You ask for grace to forgive. So, in fairness to her, she came to my house. She knelt down. She begged. I said, I'll let it go. And continued to pastor her in my ministry. Today, she's a general overseer. A great teacher of the word. Why? Because even in my pain, God gave me the grace to force through and break through to bring her to that place. And sometimes I go with her like I'm going with a gracious woman. And I preach this. And she'll say, yeah, when you preach it, I guess good bounce. I don't know what to do. I said, but it's the truth. Receive it, sister. So before you give birth to something, you will have pain to be delivered. But pain is something that deters us as women from fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. But it's, the Bible didn't say as many as are led by pain. It said as many as are led by the Spirit of God. So we must be able, by the grace of God, not to be led by pain, but to be led by the Word and by the Holy Spirit. Amen, ladies? Because of pain. Some of you don't do anything in this church again. Because of pain and politics. Eh? And she went to say that this... Eh? When you stand before God, he says, so why didn't you do that? Uh, Lord, they were gossiping about me. And they were, hey, you couldn't birth your purpose and your dream because of gossip? Then what should Jesus do? And what should pastors do? Because every day in your house, you gossip about us. Every day. Without fail. Amen, ladies. I can see your guilty smiles. So even before we deliver, we deliver in pain. Amen. Another thing that doesn't make us birth our dreams is fear. You see, as soon as the woman, the wonder appeared, Satan also appeared. Huh? Do you see that? There appeared another wonder in heaven. Lady Reverend, does Satan appear in heaven? Yes. When God called Job, he also appeared with the sons of God. And behold, a great red dragon. It had seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns. It's not an easy thing. As soon as the woman appeared, Satan also appeared. And if you see something with ten heads, it's already very frightening. In fact, two heads are enough. That's why no ministry, no church should have two heads. It's only one. Anything that has two heads, including marriage, is a freak. There's something wrong. Amen? So ladies, 
You have one head, not two, your own and your husband's. Hmm. So there appeared, so Satan uses fear. And into, because when you see ten horns, seven horns, no, ten horns, seven heads, and seven crowns, you have twelve, he has seven. And he's using his tail to draw a third part of the world. And he casts them to the earth. And then after he has done this wild show, he stands before you, just before you deliver. You will abort. <laughs> so one of the key instruments that Satan uses against us is fear and intimidation. The man with the one talent, he told the, the leader, I was afraid and I hate the talent. Fear paralyzes us. When you see such a creature, you say, hey, why did I say I will serve God? Why did I say I would do something fruitful in the kingdom of God? Look at all the things that are coming against me. I can't. So then we gave up because of fear. When I was obeying God to come into full-time ministry, I had a lot of fears. My greatest fear was that when I wear shoe, you will say it's from the offering. And I battled with God in my closet, you know. And I said, Lord, you know, my father was already taking me abroad before I even met this man. And you know, I have enough shoes and clothes in life. Now, when I come full time, when I wear shoes, they'll say, it's from the offering, when they went to Korea last time. I said, Lord, it's not about you, but I am very worried about the people. And then my boss also came and said, you are going to work for a man? I didn't understand what she said. She said, that, look, men can change your athlete. You are a lawyer. You have a career. You have a progression. We are asking you to go to Barbados to do masters. You say you won't go. You have gone to London to do some postgraduate, but we should go to Barbados. All your friends have gone. You say you won't go. And now, after 10 years at this attorney general and more years at the bar, you have come to say that you are resigning. To go and do, she didn't even give it a name. She didn't call it ministry, church, that, that thing that your husband is doing. You are going to do it. She said, let me tell you something. Men change. And they can be very wicked. When they change, where your daily bread will come from, it will be dependent on a man. What are you going to do? So yes, what she was saying, humanly speaking, and by human wisdom, it's true. But I said to myself that, it's not a man that has called me. It's the God, the Son of God, who has called me. Amen. But all that made me afraid. But what does the future hold? And when you hear also other people's stories, they have become so dependent as wives. They have given all their lives to the ministry and then later on zero. What does that mean? So when Satan stands in front of you like that, with ten horns and seven heads, and all the possibilities, and he even does signs and wonders by using his tail to bring down one third of the earth. It's not easy to birth your dreams. It's not easy to obey God and to fulfill your purpose. But God will give you grace to move past that. Amen. I was afraid of the tongues of men. I was afraid of what people would say. And then also, I also felt that I was my husband's insurance policy. If he does a church and it doesn't work, at least I'm working as a lawyer. I will cushion him. Because after all, when I was expecting my first child, I'd not been paid national service for about eight months, you know. But before I got married, my father was paying me a salary every month. And I was staying in his house at Ringway, no rent, no. 
when I got married and my husband said he's going into the ministry, uh, my father-in-law said, uh, because you don't pay electricity and water, you feel that life is just... So he served us an eviction notice in his own house, you know? And then he came to me and said, you have to advise your husband and you have to think about your future. As your husband says, he's going to live off collection. You are also following him. What is your opinion? Tell me. I said, Daddy, he says God has called him. If it is God, then he has to obey. So as a wife, I don't have a choice. I have to support him. You know what my father-in-law said? Poor child. He felt so sad for me. Poor child, you don't, you don't even know how your life is going to go. <laughs> so fear and intimidation is one thing that Satan uses to destroy us. And then, she brought forth anyway. Turn to you, the sister nearest to you and say, we shall bring forth anyway. But the dragon stood before her to devour the seed. To devour the child. If I don't get you, I will get your seed. If I don't get you, I'll get your ministry, your calling, your purpose. I will intimidate you and I will frustrate you. I will let you go and do other things. Intimidation. That as I've given birth to this child, he's opened his mouth that I'm coming to swallow up everything you've done. Everything you've given your life to, it will come to pieces. You will see. What do you do in the midst of all that? Amen. And the Bible says she brought forth a man-child who was to rule the nations. That was God's purpose, with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Ladies, God will take care of your dream. God will preserve his purpose and his own ministry. It's not yours, it is God's. So at the right time, you don't even know what prayer topic to pray. God just caught up the child and took the child and protected the seed of the woman. Amen. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God that she should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. Amen. The woman fled into the wilderness, but that was part of God's plan. There's nobody who follows God without a wilderness experience. When Jesus was baptized, the Bible says he was led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And then when he was tempted, he came back with power in the Holy Ghost. Amen. You see, when I came again into the ministry, after supposedly giving my all, I told my husband, I want to work in a spiritual environment. He said, eh, like what? Because already I'd started the school. And he said, oh, like what? I said, oh, I don't mind doing the school, but I want something that connects me to the church because the school is far away. He said, oh, okay, I've heard. Then later he came back and said, ah, uh, Okay, they say that you can teach in the Bible school, but you have to go and see the dean for him to give you what you will teach. This dean was like a convert to me. 
And this dean was now going to decide where I should be. I've told you that I don't like the nursery school. When I went, I have been posted to the nursery school. I started it. I didn't mind helping, but that is not where I wanted to be. And then when I went to the Bible school, thinking that they would give me some nice spiritual subject to teach, the dean said, well, we've arranged all the uh, timetable and whatever, so now we, here are your subjects. I looked at the paper. Ancient biblical history and English. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. As if that was not enough. I saw that. You see, the school was in just a small room, and my desk was where the children were around and all. So I said, oh, I need a little office. He said, oh, no, 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 there's no office in the church. All oh, the offices are occupied. There's no church. There's no office. I mean, just flow. There's no office. I thought about my air-conditioned office with my messengers, my secretaries. I've come to sit here, and I'm being jojoed like that. I was very heartbroken. And I went to God, which is what I do when I'm heartbroken. I said, God, look at how I'm being treated. I was there from the beginning. Look, people who just came. Anyway, when I was praying, then the Lord said to me, it's a wilderness experience. I said, I don't understand it. He said, everybody I've called goes through a wilderness. I said, what do you mean? He said, like Moses, I called him to be a deliverer, but he found himself among sheep, not even among human beings. I called him to deliver the people from Egypt, but he found himself somewhere else, not in Egypt. Contrary things. But when the time was ripe, I called him out myself. Look at Joseph. I sent him. He also had a wilderness to um, Egypt, where he knew nobody. And I'd given him a dream that his father and his mother and his brothers would bow down to him. They were nowhere near where he was. In the wilderness, I humble you and I birth my purpose in you. Most of my sermons, they are birthed out of my own wahala. Most of them. So when God said that, I started to write. Wilderness experience, this and that. Then I started to look at the Bible, different types of wildernesses and the temptations that come out of the wilderness. And I know your pastor has also written about surviving the wilderness. And I, at that time, I hadn't even come across his book and I entitled it Surviving My Wilderness. So after my Bible study, before I come and teach, then you say very powerful, it's birth in pain and sorrow. Amen. So this woman was taken to the wilderness. In the wilderness, you don't have a name. In the wilderness, you are not known. In the wilderness, it's only between you and your God. In the wilderness, the Bible says, for he humbled thee and took you through the wilderness. It's a humbling place. But if you can humble yourself and go through and not lose your purpose, God will birth that which he has said concerning you. But many times in the wilderness, we misbehave like the Israelites. Okay, we start to talk, we start to grumble, we start to complain. Why is there no water? Why is there no food? Why is there no... But God himself nourishes his people in the wilderness. Amen. Some luck may show up, but God always also shows up to counteract that luck. But we are not patient enough to go through with it. Amen. So this woman was led by God into the wilderness. Why? From the face of the enemy. Because I believe that at that time she didn't have the strength or the power or the endurance to survive. So she had to be taken to the wilderness, which was a place of nourishment. 
Nourishment is when you are given nutrients, you are given things that will build you up, they are given things that will make you strong, and most of you, it's wilderness experiences and problems that have brought you to the church today. Before, you were very proud, and you said, these charismatic churches, I mean, I'm above them, they are these uneducated people, I mean, they are the... But when you hit your wilderness, it didn't matter who was bringing you help, you sought God, and today you are sitting here coolly like that, but that's not how you were. And God knew that he had to birth something in you in the wilderness. Amen. And so when we go through the wilderness, we should, ex- we should understand and explain to ourselves that it is a season, it is a necessary place you go through, and you must allow God to nourish you. When you go into the wilderness, what do you do? Some of us, we start to complain. And the Bible says, Neither grumble ye, as some grumbled or murmured, and gave and were destroyed by the destroyer. When we go to the wilderness, some of us, we remember, eh, this church, me, I'm leaving. The wound, you see, this church was perfect till you joined. Oh. There's no perfect church, but we were perfect till you came. Until Jesus comes, there will be no perfect church. Amen? So it's better you move here, recognize there's a wilderness experience, and allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to cleanse you to nourish you, and to make you strong for the task that lies ahead. Amen, somebody. And in Revelations 12, 13, the devil, after he has been cast down, you see, the Bible says that there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent. Now in verse 13, when the dragon saw that he was cast onto the earth, he persecuted the woman. He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. You see, her main problem is for bringing forth the man child. He stood before the woman before she brought forth the man-child. He stood before the woman to devour the man-child. And now he persecuted the woman, which brought, not just the woman. So when you are a unique person, or not unique, but when you are somebody who wants to serve God and be fruitful, know that some of your attacks will be at another level. But God will still keep you. Amen. To devour the woman who had brought forth the man child, to persecute the woman. So some of the persecutions, one of the things that Satan uses, fear, intimidation, and persecution to make us tired and weary. In Daniel 7, the Bible says that a spirit was sent to the people of God that it may weary the saints. So you are in the church say, I'm tired of serving. I'm tired of pleasing God. I'm tired of working with God because I've worked with God. Look at my age. I've not married just because I've worked with God. I'm tired. I'm weary of serving God. I'm weary of being faithful. And that's what Satan wanted to do to this woman, to persecute her till she got weary. But the Bible says in Galatians 6 verse 9 that we should not be weary in well-doing for in due season... We will reap if we do not faint. Amen? The, the, the serpent persecuted the woman. And then the serpent poured water. Hmm. But before then, the woman was given two wings of a great eagle 
that she might fly back into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and time. So the wilderness is not once. Moses met God in the wilderness, but he also had to go through the wilderness again with the children of Israel. The wilderness and suffering are part of Christianity. The Bible says, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Whether we like it or not, it's a promise. Just like other things, you say, we resort. This one too, you have to re and so. Persecution and suffering is part of Christianity. But we have taken it out of our theology. And it's like everything will be rosy. Everything. We want a great marriage, but we don't want to pay a price. We want a great marriage, but we say, oh, as if marriage has already been built and then you enter and everything is okay. It's not like that. You are now coming to build what you want to have. Amen. So to the woman was given two eagle's wings. The wings of a great eagle that she might fly into her place. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and they shall not be weary. And they shall walk and they shall not faint. In the wilderness, we must learn to wait on God. The Christians of today, we are just program-attending Christians, but we don't know God for ourselves. We don't know how to call on God in our closet. It is said that frank talk with God hurts nobody. When you go into God's presence, you can tell him everything. God, this one, she's boring me, but she said that this is... Do you think it's fair? Do you think what she said was fair? This, but most of you, you don't even have that relationship with God. We are just church attendants. But to wait on God, to take our own personal quality time to spend on God. We'll spend it on television. We'll spend it on Nigerian movie. We'll spend it on things that do not profit. But it's when we wait on God that we renew our strength. Why do you have to renew your strength? Because your strength saps and your strength runs out. But when you wait on God, you renew it. Amen. So ladies, if we are to become the women that fulfill God's purpose for our lives, we should also be prayerful women. There's no secret to that. There's no secret. When you wait on God, you come, you don't have an agenda. Some of you, you can even afford it. Go to a nice place. Ask your husband for permission. And wait on God for yourself. So that you can be nourished. Every day you are running. Every day you are doing banku, tilapia, bedroom services, this, that. You will run out. You will run out. And even the sweetness in your life will go out. But to be still and hear God's voice again, you need to wait on God. Amen. There are times I don't go to the office because there's nobody in the house. And I need to wait on God. Well, maybe you are a superwoman, but as for me, I'm, I'm a very needy woman. When the Bible says, apart from me, you can do nothing, I, I am that. Apart from him, I can do nothing. And when I wait on God, he comforts me. He strengthens me. He gives me direction. But we, we just can't say, don't let me go. Don't let me go empty-handed. That's your main song. When Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he said, Lord, what would you have me do? It's not part of your topic. I was talking to, I worshipped him last week. I said that when prophets could not hear, it's the worship team they will call, bring me the minstrel. 
And when the worship team ministers, then they can hear. When kings were going to battle, they will go with the worshippers first so that they will not even need to fight in this battle. But now, we don't know how to worship God in our closet. It's always congregational. On our own, that we will fall down on our knees and say, We have become a congregational person. We don't know God for ourselves. But unless you allow him to give you those two eagle's wings that come about by waiting on him, your Christianity will not be deep. And it will go only so far. People ask my husband, oh, what's the secret of your ministry? He says, I don't know any secret. My secret is quiet time. He says, oh, can it be something as mundane as that? Can it just be quiet time? It is. Quiet time. Just having time in the presence of God. I always say to him, you are more a Christian in the house than you are outside. Because no matter when he comes up, no matter the time of your coming, as for going to wait on God, he will do it by all means. And that challenges me greatly. Amen. And sometimes you see someone, you say, hey, he's strong. Or he can survive a lot. Of... He's not strong. He has received two great eagle's wings in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Ladies, we waste our time on things that don't profit. You say, I want this lace. She wore some. But you won't ask the word of God. But foolish things, excuse me to say. But when Satan comes knocking at your door, it's not how many expensive things you have in your closet, but it is whether you know your God. For the people that know their God shall work strong and do exploits. Amen, somebody. Verse 15. And I'm raising my hand. Please give me a cue because... I'm not conscious of the time. Verse 15, the serpent poured water like a river after, his, after the woman. Have you seen it? When he saw that the woman had been taken to the wilderness, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Have you seen the wahala? For a woman to just bring forth her seed. Have you seen all this wahala in Revelation 12? He didn't get her with fear, intimidation, trying to devour the child, trying to weary her so that her energy would be out, trying to let her give up. All that is not working. Now he says, okay, I'm going to cause a flood. As you are running away, I'll cause a flood to, be, to catch up with you. And what is the essence of the flood? That she will be drowned. But the Bible says, you see, the main aim of Satan is that she will be carried away with the flood. And many of us get carried away with the many things that come against us. Sometimes and often, the enemy comes in like a flood. Amen? The enemy comes in like a flood. And God knew that. So he said, when you pass through the water, you will not be drowned. You see, when I look, I say, hey, how did God know that we'll be flooded out, that things will happen? How does he know this? And when you look at Isaiah 59, verse 19, the second part, the Bible says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Amen. As for the standard that should be lifted, we can't tell. But the Spirit of God has promised to lift up a standard. Sometimes I'm going to preach, and I've had to take my children with high temperatures onto the flight to go and preach. Out of this country, 
because they've made posters, they've written the dates, people have taken time off, you say it's a camp, they are coming, and then suddenly your two daughters have high temperature malaria just before you go and board the flight. And just when you are about to go, something else happens, and something else happens, a flood. There are times I preach, and then after that I give a break, then I go backstage to see my children. Are they okay? All right. They don't have insurance in this country. So a doctor in the church will prescribe something. I'll give them. Then I go back and say, yes. So when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of God, he will raise a standard against the enemy. Oh, what a superwoman. No, she's just a vessel of clay, but it's the grace of God that is making the difference. It will cost you to obey God. If it's not as you are waiting on God, I don't know. When husbands are waiting on God, we don't disturb them. But when we are waiting on God, it's as if we are waiting on somebody else. Amen, ladies. Have you seen my socks? Have you seen my... As if they don't know that you are in the presence of God. Have you seen my socks? Where did you put this? Hey, so I'm going on. Hey, so what are you doing? Uh, you are praying. I'm praying. And you are sitting there. Now beginning a conversation. But if I come to your study, you look at me like this. As if I don't know that the Spirit of God is at work in you. Amen, ladies. Oops, okay, thank you. Don't worry, we are ending soon. So sometimes you are flooded out. Work, marriage, children, so many things. And sometimes it's not even ordinary things, but the enemy comes in like all the things come crashing in at one time. And I just look and I say, Lord, you said you will raise a standard, not that I will do it. You will raise, and in this case, the Lord raises a standard by letting the earth help the woman. You wouldn't have thought of it. But he knows the way of escape in every temptation. So sometimes when I'm tempted, I just pray, show me the way of escape. Because when I know the exit, I'll be okay. But I don't know the way of escape. Show me. In this case, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the woman. The wom- no, swallowed the flood. Amen. Not the woman. Thank God. Verse 17, the dragon became furious. In five minutes, I'll be done. Don't worry. Uh Uh-oh. Sorry. Revelations 12, verse 17. And the dragon was angry with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have a testimony. Amen. Now, the woman was saved because the flood was swallowed. God raised a standard for the enemy. So I came to encourage you that you will not drown in the flood. Amen. And that God himself will bring you through. And we shouldn't allow fear, intimidation, Fury of the devil. Many floods in our lives. Wilderness experiences to crash out God's call on your life. Because let me tell you, ladies, if you are fashioned for a purpose, it is only obedience to God which will bring that purpose to stand. The most important relationship in your life should be your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when all is said and done, it is the only thing that will stand 
The Lord is saying some of you, you used to serve wholeheartedly in the church. You have stopped. Some of you used to move with certain people. They have left the church, but they have left their spirit with you. So now all that you do is to warm the pews. And you're saying, I won't touch this and I won't touch that. And like Lady Reverend Jane was saying, the women's meeting is a meeting that God is calling his women together. It's not a, a, a women's meeting for any individual or any person. And then, because you are not spiritually minded, you don't see it that way. You see it as a political party. Which presidential candidate do I support? Amen, somebody! And because of that, you don't put your hand to the wheel. Because of politics. This one is in DPP. This one is in NDC. This one is in PDC. And then it all brings a problem. But in the house of God, we just have to put our hands together to the plow and not look back. Because if you stand before God, what will you say? You would have followed foolish things. Everyone must find a place to serve. Everyone must find a place to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Because one day we will stand to give an account. And I can testify that the fulfillment that comes from serving God, you can't find it anywhere. And then also when you serve God wholeheartedly, it even makes you appreciate your husband more. Because when you also have to go and preach, when you also have to prepare, when you also have to deal with people, you say, hey, my husband has tried. And so it brings even more sweetness to the marriage. And as you seek first the kingdom of God, all other things have been added unto you. Amen. Stand to your feet, please. When I will pray, say, I'm ramming away to When I will pray, say, I'm ramming away to start all over again. Use me for your purpose. Some of you have grown weary. The Lord is saying, start again because I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. Your first love, your first zeal, the energy and your strength with which you serve God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You are here this morning. You want to say, Lady Reverend, I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Lady Reverend, I want to be sure. 
If you are like that here this morning, just lift up your hands and I'll pray with you. It's not about big nanism. It's not about who is on your left or who is on your right. It's between you and your God. Every eye closed and every head bows. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to mean business with God. I want to be sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Just lift up your hands high above your shoulder and give me the honor of praying for you. Your hand high above your shoulder. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to give my life to Christ. God bless you. I see your hand. And no matter how far you are, please come forward. I want to have the privilege of leading you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You've lifted up your hands, whether you are upstairs or downstairs. Make your way down here. It's the most important decision in your life. Jesus is calling you. He's giving you another chance. Church, let's encourage them as they come. Let's give them a hand. Heaven rejoices. Come. Come to the living water. Come to the stream that never runs dry. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to the living water. When you drink of it, you will never thirst again. Come to Jesus. Come. 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 Everywhere you are coming from. Come. Heaven rejoices. Come. Come to Jesus. Come to the Savior. Come to him who can make a difference in your life. Come. Come to Jesus. Come. 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 pray this prayer after me. It's not just a cliche. Mean it from the bottom of your heart and let it be your own prayer to God. You say after me, dear Jesus, this morning I give my life to you. Father, forgive me for I'm a sinner. Cleanse me from all my sins. Make me a new person in you. Jesus, I open the door of my heart. Come in and be the Lord of my life. Satan, listen to me carefully. From today, I break every link with you. Christ has set me free, and I'm free indeed. Jesus, thank you for coming to die on the cross to save me. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life. Thank you for a new life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give them a hand. Congratulations. Don't go away. This is a more important day than the day you were born because you could have died and gone to hell. But today, by inviting Jesus into your, heart, your life, you have been translated from darkness into light. Congratulations, and please follow the counselor and obey everything he tells you and come back and join us quickly. Please follow him. Thank you, and God bless you. And be established in the church. Shall we pray? Lastly, you are here. You want to say, Lady Reverend, my hands have grown tired. My love has grown cold. I want to start all over again. Sometimes it's offense, sometimes it's pain, but God is reaching you wherever you are. Just lift up your hands, be frank with God, and I want to pray with you. Father, I thank you that no weapon that is fashioned against your people shall prosper. 
And every tongue that rises against them in judgment, we condemn. I pray that whatever has made them drop back and look back and take their hand for the plow, you bring healing, you bring wholeness, you bring a spiritual perspective, and you will cause them to overcome. And Lord, to be on the road again, to be in your vineyard again, and to be fruitful. I pray for every one of us that we will rise up and serve you. For it is in serving you, oh God, that we find our purpose and you bless us beyond our wildest dreams. Bless your people and let no sorrow be added. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.